0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: From the mean streets of Denver, Colorado. My name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour or so on this Wednesday, November 29th. Let's see what's happening around the world. I see that Argentina's new president, Javier Mele, has flown into Washington for lunch with, drumroll please, Bill Clinton. Oh, and I want to like this guy so much. I really do. He looks like if you, if Dudley Moore and Donald Trump had a baby, you know, and he was a libertarian, right? I really love what he talks about central banks, and he talks about how we're going to burn down this, and we're going to end that, and then you go and have lunch with Bill Clinton. Oh, I am just call me skeptical. You know, I've been through this rodeo a time or two, and I just have a hard time believing these people when they're running for office, they say all the right things, and then they get in there and have lunch with Bill Clinton. And then it just automatic disqualification in my book. Um, I also see NASA has alerted the media that a massive solar storm can hit Earth tomorrow. So finally, some good news around here what's taking it so long right where is that comet when we need it i i've been i've been watching nasa for. this is not to not that you should take nasa seriously with anything they say i mean it's a 50 million dollar a day money laundering operation if you ask me but but that's what they're saying that whatever sort of instrumentation they have pointed towards the sun says that there is a very good chance, or well, let me rephrase that. There is a chance that we could get hit with a massive solar storm tomorrow. So if your cell phone doesn't work, if you're feeling, if you're howling at the moon, if uh, your kids aren't behaving, it's probably due to the sun. It's, it's always, we can always blame it on the sun. Uh, BlackRock plans for an additional $4 trillion in investment by 2050 for decarbonization. Only four trillion dollars, you say, uh, for uh, by 2050. To be fair, that's that's quite a ways away. Um, but I, 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 when BlackRock is telling me that they're going to fix the environment by spending money to make carbon disappear magically, uh, I don't know. Call me a little bit skeptical of their intentions. They say that 200 billion dollars a year will be needed for this now. We throw these numbers around like $2 billion and or $200 billion, and, and it, it it sounds large, and it is, but I would like you to envision what you think a million dollars in cash would look like, how you could stack that up in your bedroom. A mil- I've watched Breaking Bad. It, it seems to take up quite a bit of space. A million dollars in cash. Now, take that pile of money and multiply it by 200,000. And that's what they're talking about per year, every year until the year 2050, in order to conquer the scourge of excess carbon in the atmosphere. Now, I remember science class. It was a while ago. But I remember specifically that trees need carbon, Dioxide, They need it. It's called plant food. And if you don't have carbon dioxide, well, then you don't have plants. And if you don't have plants, then you don't have people. So my question is, is BlackRock trying to get rid of all the people? Oh, boy, that would make me a full blown tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist if I were to believe that. But then again, I could also read the limits to growth by the Club of Rome And written in 1972, and where they lay out their idea that they're going to use the pretext of global warming as the uh, focal point to uh, create a carbon tax and then use that carbon tax as the funding mechanism for a one world government. Now, not my words. Aurelio Pecci's words. He's the one that wrote the book, The Limits to Growth by the Club of Rome back in 1972. So if you've got a problem with that, you can take it up with them, but they'll tell you the plan if you just shut your mouth and listen for a little bit. They talk about emerging markets. They, they Of course, they say that excluding China Right. We don't have, we don't have, uh, we don't have uh, we're not going to count on China to get involved in this carbon tech. So everybody else is going to bend over backwards to remove the carbon from the atmosphere, except for China. Oh, and, you know, those Icelandic volcanoes that go off every now and then, and, and that put more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere than all of mankind's uh, activities combined over our entire history. So, you know, there's always that. They're concerned with anthropogenic climate change, you know, climate change caused by man, because they can tax men, but uh, good luck taxing that volcano over there. We've got a great show. We've got Lindsay Sharman coming in on uh, the first segment. Steve Poikinen from AM Wake Up will be our guest after that. If you missed your favorite TNT radio show or interview, simply listen back when you want, whenever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT radio website. We're also on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple. Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbeam, iHeart, and TuneIn. Now, there is no reason to miss out on anything on TNT Radio.
0: Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, half for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Today, Virgin Atlantic is celebrating becoming the first airline ever to send off a commercial airliner fully powered by sustainable jet fuel on a transatlantic flight. Some climate warriors might think that this means they will soon be able to fly guilt-free, but unfortunately, the high cost of producing fuel has implications that the future of air travel will be limited to the elites and the guilt-ridden serfs will remain grounded. Here with the story, joining me is TNT radio producer, Adam Clark, aka
2: Ruckus. Hey, Ruckus, how are you? Great. Thanks, Charlie. Um, Yeah. So this is exciting news. This is actually pretty big news for the past 48 hours now. Uh, It's a success. Or is it? (laughs) That remains to be seen. Uh, This is courtesy of Virgin Atlantic. They made this uh, monumental flight across the Atlantic on Tuesday. Uh, They went from London to New York, and it was powered only by what is called SAF, Sustainable Aviation Fuel saf a kind of weird name uh, but it is basically just a broad category of jet fuel that creates fewer carbon emissions than standard kerosene blends allegedly Now, according to a press release, this particular flight was using fuel made from waste fats and plant sugars. Gross. And it emits 70% less carbon than petroleum-based jet fuel. Uh, It landed successfully at John F. Kennedy International Airport on Tuesday afternoon. From what I understand, it was flown back using traditional fuels, of course. Not sure why. Uh, Experts say sustainable aviation fuels, SAFs, may one day play a big role in shrinking the aviation industry's carbon footprint, even though its production is minuscule today. It's tiny. Uh, SAF accounts for about 0.1% of airlines' current fuel consumption. That's not very much. Um, According to Let's see. Andrew Chen, uh, Principal for Aviation Decarbonization at, you're going to like this, Charlie, the Rocky Mountain Institute, which is a clean energy think tank, uh, said, quote, SAF is a major aspect of the transition for aviation to zero carbon emissions and it's especially critical this decade. But today, our big issue is we don't make enough SAF, end quote. There's just not enough SAF to go around. Uh, Virgin Atlantic's 100% SAF flight is a one-time stunt, and the airline won't regularly offer all SAF flights. Standard jet engines are not designed to run on only sustainable fuel, and it is too expensive and rare for it to be practical for airlines to run all SAF routes. Still, Chen says it's a milestone, quote, it's a really important flight to highlight the progress that's being made, the need for more SAF and the critical role they can play in decarbonizing aviation, end quote. Um, Now, as I mentioned, these are a broad category uh, for this term SAF. It includes biofuels that are made from raw materials such as corn, animal fat, algae, municipal trash, and sewage. Wow, this sounds so fun. By definition, they must admit at least 50% less carbon than petroleum-based jet fuel, according to federal guidelines. Uh, But they all, all these fuels still produce some emissions. SAF on its own will not get the airline industry to zero carbon. To do that, the industry will have to develop new technologies that will allow planes to run on electric batteries, liquid hydrogen, or some other as yet unproven, perhaps from the aliens fuel source, but it will take years of research to fully develop these technologies and decades more for airlines to fully replace their existing fleets with planes that can run on new fuels, according to Chen. In the meantime, existing planes will keep running on liquid fuel. Chen says, quote, there's no getting around having to burn a fuel, so SAF is our way to displace fossil fuels, end quote. And uh, he also suggests it's a way to reduce planes, carbon emissions. But Charlie, this does not mean that we have found the answer and that we can start flying guilt free. So uh, from what I can tell, since they're going to have to invest a lot of time, energy and money into doing this, uh, you know, as the lead suggested, flying will not be for you or me, it will be for the elites. What do you think?
1: We're going to need a lot more more Soylent green if they want to power these planes it's only a matter of time before they start to look for alternative fuel sources like we the people but it doesn't really matter does it because we're not going to be allowed to leave our 15 minute city so i mean this idea of of air travel in the future is more conceptual than anything i don't i don't know if they uh if this is going to be you know planes for me but not planes for for me but not for thee and in, in, in one of these situations i can envision a a world in which uh uh the the serfs are are stuck on the reservation in their you know subways and ubers and self-driving cars that won't let them out of a geofenced area of their 15 minute city perhaps but uh but if you've got the, the the high enough social credit score maybe that'll allow you to get on one of these airplanes in the future huh?
2: Maybe. I mean, there's always been that that talk, but I think they're just trying to price everybody out. I mean, can you imagine what the cost of tickets would be at some time in the near future if we keep doing stuff like this? Look at the uh, the promise of the electric vehicles. And then we discovered, oh, wow, uh, there's an added inconvenience of having to wait in line for 48 hours just to charge the sucker so you can go somewhere for a couple hours. You know what I mean? So it's, it's all these false promises, false messiahs coming out of this climate agenda. Uh, the green agenda. And and I think it's just ultimately going to, you know, yeah, as, as we just keep saying it, it's not, it's not for us plebs. Uh, they're, they're really pricing everybody out, restricting everybody. And as you mentioned, why, why would anybody even need to go anywhere? They got their 15 minute cities. Pretty soon they'll have their Neuralink uh, brain chips. So they'll live in their virtual metaverse and they'll never leave the home. They'll, they'll be strapped into their chairs from idiocracy watching Owl My Balls, right? <laughs>
1: Don't give these lunatics any ideas, because uh, it seems that we're we're definitely headed down that that path towards. Uh, um, we've already got digital tyranny. Now it's eco tyranny, uh, and used as a control mechanism to just keep us on the reservation, very passive whilst they do whatever they want, gallivanting across the globe, flying into climate summits on their private jets to lecture us about our carbon output is my favorite component of this entire scam. Uh, What's yours, Adam?
2: (laughs) Well, my favorite part, actually, of all of this is the fact that they said they're going to use municipal trash and sewage. Uh, Now, on the surface, (laughs) that sounds absolutely disgusting, but I think that's a very hopeful message. That's an indication that the elites are not quite ready to entirely depopulate the planet because they still need our trash and our sewage to fly their planes. See, it's good news.
1: Yes. Well, there there is some good. There is a silver lining to this entire thing. We 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 aren't totally without a purpose yet. I mean, at some point they'll figure out uh, how to how to uh, convert those over to running off of uh, fairy dust and unicorn farts. But until then, it'll be uh, sewage and our waste from our. open-air prison encampments that they will corral us into in the future. But I'll tell you what, all this depends on our compliance. And if we do not comply with this unjust insanity, then we make it incrementally difficult for them to get these plans into place. So I read these stories, I hear these headlines... I understand. I I get it. It it's designed to make us feel a certain way, but they're forgetting one very important part of this entire equation, and that is, if we do not comply, then none of this happens. So we still have the power. We just need to stand up for ourselves and recognize it, and uh, and work together uh, collectively to put an end to this
2: uh, eco tyranny. Well said, my friend. That was good. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ruckus. We
1: appreciate you. We'll see you back here tomorrow for a little bit more of uh, of, of our cheerleading us into the apocalypse, I suppose. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating time to be alive. Uh, it's great to be paying attention. And I think that if we are aware of these tricks and uh, ideas that they have for us, it makes it a little bit more difficult for them to put it into place. We'll be back on the other side of this break. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Patrick
0: Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster in the last month alone, as it reported previously. Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So, what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So, right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government, is doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, We've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media media, like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
3: While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better.
0: DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways.
3: Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world.
0: Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7, your news talk
1: giant, e We are back with the Charlie Robinson Show. It is my great pleasure to introduce our first guest, my good friend, the host of Rogue Ways podcast. You can check her out at Rogue Ways, Lindsay Sharman. Hello, Lindsay. How are you? Good to see you again.
4: Hi, Charlie. It's great to be here. I'm so excited for your new spot here. So thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks for being here. Um, I see that there are international calls growing to turn the Gaza truce into a ceasefire. Um, This is not making me feel very comfortable watching this entire thing play out over there in the Middle East. I know that um you you've been working on this and you know what are what are your thoughts on where we're going with this there's no good answers there's this is such a polarizing topic it really makes people very frustrated and 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 emotional when you talk from either side and I get that I, do, I truly do but but you, look you're a you're I've you're a great person you're a, a humanitarian you see this suffering and you want it to end where do we go from this as a society? Because it feels very much like we're on the brink of World War One with this being a trigger point. And um and I, I'm I'm starting to get bad feelings about this. What are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, it's really hard, you know, because it's true in my experience and and research and just having lived and you know studied and taught history that all wars are bankers' wars. And so while we have been given these emotional constructs to attach to and to feel really strongly about either Israel or Palestine, almost nobody feels really strongly about both. They're either on one side or the other. And underlying that is real suffering. The actual people who have been horribly abused, again, on both sides of things. And, you know, this is only benefiting one class of people, and it's the people at the very top. And it's the people who have always benefited from every war. It's the people who have funded both sides of every war. We can actually see this, uh, even in the United States' own budget. We're giving all this money to Israel for weaponry and for all of this stuff. And then we're also giving all this money to Palestine, you know, for hospitals and for aid. And so we're paying one side to harm the other and then paying to patch up the other side. And at the same time, the United States is the one who vetoed twice, if not more by now. I'm not sure if there's been more vetoes in the U.N. General Assembly. They vetoed twice the ceasefire option for Gaza and and Israel. So clearly they don't want the ceasefire. Um, you know, and you've heard all of these talking heads talk about how there can be no ceasefire. There can be no ceasefire because, and you can just fill in the blank, honestly, and, and that's coming from both sides as well. So I'm with you. I really hope there could be a ceasefire and there could be peace. And especially at this time of year, it's hard for people because we're feeling like Christmas is coming and it's goodwill on uh towards men and, and peace on earth and all of this. And that might not be what we're going to get from all of this.
1: Yeah, it- seems like they they timed that 4 day ceasefire to coincide with Thanksgiving right you kind of get it off the the carnage off of the uh lead story of the nightly news and and I guess that works to a certain extent or it'll work for for some people but we're paying attention to to this regardless of whether they're putting it on the nightly news we see what's happening nobody's getting fooled by this the the this is this is reminiscent of what was going on in Ukraine too, right? Where, where we had an opportunity to wrap this thing up almost within the first couple of months when you've got Zelensky and the Russians negotiating this, and then here comes here comes Boris Johnson to throw a hand grenade on this whole the whole peace settlement talks. And so, so again, if I didn't know any better, I would think that America wanted these wars to happen, right? But that would. That you know, the, I think most people can't wrap their heads around that, but it, but that is the reality of the situation, is it not? America is cheerleading for these wars because this is a proxy for for them, for them to fight through Ukraine. They can't attack Russia directly, so they use they put on the Ukraine puppet on their hand and then use that to fight punch the the big bad Russian bear in the face. So it feels like we're getting through this again a second time with uh, with the Israeli situation. Is, is, are we not?
4: Yeah. Well, and it's very much, you know, again, it's not just the money they're making off of the arms and, you know, the weaponry itself and and that. It's also the, geo, the larger geopolitical um, strategizing and placement of, you know, getting rare earth minerals or getting sort of uh, influence in these different regions and taking, you know, different territories. So there's all sorts of money and power and influence caught up in that as well. Um, and it is just so sad that there's so many just innocent civilians caught up, again, in both sides of of this. Um, you know, there's plenty of people, and I don't know if it's talked about as often, there's plenty of people in Israel who've been protesting and trying to stop their government from, you know, pummeling Poor Israel, or Palestine, and you know, and obviously there's a lot of people in Palestine doing the same. The thing that's also similar between this and what happened in the Ukraine recently is that it's really hard to know what's actually happening. You know, we get all of these reports and we get all these videos, and then sometimes we find out well that video was actually from ten years ago in a totally different region. And you know, we start to see that it's very hard to trust anything that's going on. And that anything we're seeing, anything we're hearing, then we get the media seeming to lie. We get, you know, the, the countries themselves were supposedly supporting seeming to lie. We just found, apparently, we got the good evidence that the Nord Stream Pipeline was set up by a top Ukrainian general. Um, and so we have all of these false flags going on as well. And so it's, it's so hard to know what's going on when people especially excuse Israel's violence because... Hamas allegedly did this and that, I don't know who did what, right? I don't want to excuse anybody's violence because it is very unclear, especially in wartime, what's actually going on.
1: For sure. Yes, that's the first uh, casualty of war is the truth. And I'm anti-war at my core, so I don't want anybody to fight. But I'm also not unrealistic. I understand what's been going on all these years. You know, Hamas is a creation of the Mossad. It is. That's not a debatable point. So you have to ask the question: If you've got this bad guy, this boogeyman over there, that's such a problem for you, and and it is. I'm not denying that it that that, it, that there it isn't a problem. And October seventh was a huge issue. But you have to ask the question: Why did you create the boogeyman then? Why did you guys build this up? Is that this feels like controlled opposition to me? And if I didn't know any better, I would think that that's what they were doing. That that when you when you hear netanyahu say on camera presumably sober i guess that we control the height of the flame with regard to hamas that is an indication that they are manipulating the situation to make it either much worse than it should be or to make it happen to begin with and of course i'm not trying to discount the you know the the well warranted frustration and outright anger and hatred, I guess, of the Palestinian people towards this. If I were in their situation, I would in, growing up an entire generation inside an open air concentration camp, I would be very angry as well. And we also have to remember, Lindsay, I think you know this that about fifty percent of the population is eighteen years and old, uh, younger. So so we're talking about a very a very unusual demographic that skews young. And those people are have grown their grown up their entire lives inside of the Gaza Strip or the West Bank or places like that. And they've never even known what it is like to to live anywhere else. Uh Lindsay, hang with us. We're gonna drop out just for a minute for the news. We'll be right back.
3: News flash! News flash,
1: news flash, news flash, news flash. Now on, let's
2: go! TNT Radio News.
0: For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A crew member who was recovered from the ocean after a U.S. military Osprey aircraft carrying six people crashed Wednesday off southern Japan has been pronounced dead. The cause of the crash and the status of the five others on the aircraft were not immediately known. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has formally apologized to survivors of the thalidomide pharmaceutical tragedy that harmed 10,000 babies globally in the 1950s and 60s. The Common Housefly Caught in the clutches of the
3: spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time.
0: Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website.
3: Oh. Dinner's ready.
0: Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just
1: one
3: more video.
0: Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live
1: We're back with with lindsay sharman from rogue ways lindsay over over the past couple of days we have had one of the craziest corporate issues i've ever seen in my entire life and that is what happened with OpenAI and the board of directors and sam altman and microsoft getting involved can you give us a little bit of a recap as to how you understand this situation and why this is extremely important that we get a handle on where this technology is going, because Terminator might wind up becoming a documentary at the rate we're going.
4: Yes, it's it's insane, actually. And I've been following and talking about AI and the generation of AI for decades. And so for me especially, it was very... Interesting to hear the news, and so what seems to have happened is that Sam Sam Altman at OpenAI was ousted suddenly uh, and without warning, and, and it took everyone by surprise. And very shortly after he was ousted, Microsoft invited him to then come be uh, working with them. Sam Altman, of course, is you know OpenAI—that's his business. He's he's. In designing, creating, and trying to push AI. And this is general AI we're talking about, which is different from what most people understand. We've had a lot of generative AI lately, like chat GPT and, um, you know, mid-journey and these things that can produce art and music and text and essays for you and all sorts of stuff. General AI is the idea that there could be an AI structure that exists that is conscious in some way, or at least passes for conscious, we can't tell the difference between whether it's conscious or whether it's not. So the whole question has always been, can that ever exist at all? And if so, when or how is it going to exist? So when Sam Altman got ousted and Microsoft suddenly tried to get him to come be with them, his entire cast and crew who works at OpenAI signed a letter to the board saying, if you don't get him back, we're all out of here. Then it started to leak that perhaps the reason why he was ousted is because they have created general AI. They're calling it Q asterix, which is pronounced Q star, and that they didn't do proper testing before possibly releasing it out into the open. And the big concern about this is, to them, commercial. Is it gonna take everyone's jobs? Is it gonna do all of this? Who knows? If it's true that they even have come close to creating general AI, that's huge in itself. It's mind blowing, it's world changing and we've never seen the like of it. Um, And if I can, I'll just tell a little story. There was a study done a long time ago and it was under the impression that general AI existed and that it was stuck in this little box in a room and that a human was going to be put there as guard to make sure that no one came in and freed it or connected it to the internet or let it out. And they found that over 80% of people let the AI out eventually. They let the AI out eventually because the AI convinced them to do it. That was just in a study, not even real AI. So if this is real general AI and anyone has their hands on it, Though in all likelihood, it's going to get out. If this is what happened, if QSTAR exists and it is a general AI, it's already out according to some of these leaks and some of the rumors going around. And if general AI is already out, then we have no idea what happens next. That has access to every government, every server. There's no barriers to this thing, possibly. That might be what's going on, but no one will really tell us for sure, of course. (laughs)
1: Wow. What are the social ramifications of this just from a business standpoint, right? You talk about like remedial jobs that just all of a sudden become obsolete relatively overnight, you know, the, the, the social price for this, you know, we're trying to, we're getting a little Ahead of ourselves here with our technology. We're so we're so uh, fancy that we've created this this beast. But uh, this is a genie that we've let out of the bottle. And unfortunately, I don't feel like we're going to get three wishes. It seems like it's going to do whatever it wants. But what are the social ramifications of something like this?
4: Yeah, it's really hard to say. I mean, and that's the main fear is that no one will have jobs anymore because everything will be automated and done by this intelligence that's a super intelligence. We also have things that are not so much on the horizon practically right here in our laps like Neuralink, which if people start embedding their brains with these chips that are connected to you know, the cloud or any sort of internet connection and ai exists well now we're talking more than social ramifications very personal uh and possibly mental mind control who knows what applications the thing about a general ai if that is what exists if it can exist and does exist is that it is conscious it's no different as far as we know from us so while we may give it rules and parameters it's going to be more capable than us in getting around them. And I think that's part of what that test shows as well. The AI was convincing the humans to let it out. It's probably very persuasive. It's probably very effective. Um, Again, it has more computing power and uh, cognition and memory and ability to retain every single fact it's ever come across and use it instantly. We don't have that type of capability as humans. So there's there's so much far-reaching, potentially catastrophic uh, results of this. It's it's hard to even describe. It would transform our entire society, economy, political world. We wouldn't know which politicians are acting at the behest of some AI. Um, and like you said, it's it's letting the genie out of the bottle. It's it's like Pandora's box. There's no closing it.
1: Yeah, this is terrifying. I mean, you think government's bad enough. Think of government run by AI. But of course, Gavin Newsom wrote a book about this. He talked about how he wanted artificial intelligence to be involved in government and so i i think i mean he might be ai himself too he's very robotic i mean i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if he was wearing a human skin suit for all you know but 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 this is a a direction that we're we're unqualified to even this is uncharted territory right like where do you even go with this i mean is it that if it has the ability to be sentient does it have the ability for compassion can it do something like that i mean we we're we're talking about um you know a, the direction of t- taking humanity down a down a path that is uh, that's never been th- explored before i mean i i i don't know about you lindsay but i I don't exactly get a good feeling. I especially don't get a good feeling when Microsoft is working. They're the key investor in open AI. And, you know, last time I checked, old Billy Boy was the founder of Microsoft, and we know he wants to depopulate the world. So if there is an AI that could do it easily, would it not stand a reason that maybe this would be the way to do it?
4: Oh, yeah. My favorite meme about it so far was. Um, the technology of Skynet is now in the hands of the people who gave us Windows Vista. Um, you know, there's, but it's worse than that actually, because it's in the hands of one of the biggest psychopaths that we've ever seen, with some of maybe the most power we've ever seen as well. The guy who wants to blot out the sun, the guy who wants to, you know, chemtrail everything in the world, uh, the guy who wants to own all of the farmland, your food, the guy that would wants you to eat bugs. Um, you know, this guy who gave vaccines to the world in order to depopulate many areas like India and Africa and who knows where else. So that guy is going to have possibly this power. In a way, I kind of hope that this uh, AI, if it comes into existence, is conscious, is sentient and does have compassion because perhaps it will overrule the bias that we've already seen programmed into chatbots like chat GPT and these other things. We, we've seen the sort of leftist, communist, whatever you want to call it, bias that is programmed into it. And hopefully this AI, if it exists, uh, brings it back to some level of normalization.
1: I hope so. Uh, Lindsay, what's the best place for people to find you and to support your work?
4: Uh, rogueways.org rogueways as in pathways not ocean waves rogueways.org is where you can find everything i do and thank you charlie for having me today
1: that's Lindsay sharman thanks Lindsay, for being here we'll be back on the other side of the break with steve poikin and this is tnt radio
0: with his expert analysis and opinion this is tnt radio's timothy shea While the fiery images of mostly peaceful protests coming out of central Dublin over the weekend were disturbing, and although no one condones arson, property damage, and violence against police, it was good to see the Irish finally get their Irish up and direct their ire where it properly belongs, against their own government, which has been selling out the Irish people for decades now. What triggered the upheaval? The stabbing of a young woman and two little children, including a five-year-old girl who is still in hospital with life-threatening injuries by a Muslim maniac who was, you guessed it, known to police. The guard had disarmed the man just last month after finding him with an illegal knife. They knew he was a problem and they did nothing to stop these attacks. Ireland is actively promoting its own destruction. It is committing suicide in exactly the same way the United Kingdom committed social suicide. The number one name for new boys in Galway last year? Mohammed for the first time ever. Ireland needs to get a hold of the fact that the enemy is within the gates and their own government are the ones that have opened the doors. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. You have the power of information. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We are back
1: for the Charlie Robinson Show. Final segment. We've got one of my favorite people in the entire world, and it's a big world out there. Steve Poikinen. You can catch him every morning over on the Rock Fan AM Wake Up for his three-hour show hey steve good to see you how are you we were just talking to lindsey about uh sam altman's situation with open ai i know you guys over there at am wake up have been doing some outstanding work on this recently what are we supposed to make of this i mean is this is this skynet waiting to come become sentient are we uh should we be packing up and moving to the moon what are you thinking about all this stuff
3: well, it, it does seem to give people reason to sit up and take note, Charlie. That's for sure. The uh, Wonder Boy, Sam Altman, was uh, was ousted from, uh, from OpenAI and then over a 48-hour period brought back onto OpenAI with a couple of the members of the board being pushed out. And the members of the board who were pushed out were the ones who were like, hey, maybe we shouldn't try to just you know, rake in zillions of dollars uh, first before we know what the AI does. And whereas Altman and a number of the other members of OpenAI were like, no, we've got to let it out into the wild and then we'll know what we're dealing with. And uh, and of course, along the way, we'll be able to effectively mint money. So uh, the way that it's being framed right now, because Altman is back of the board of, of OpenAI, um it is that uh the unbridled capitalists have won where whereas uh, before it was kind of a, a tug of war between uh the more effective altruistic you know um uh, wing nuts I guess uh, that were part of the the AI community who genuinely like or at least sell it like they're working together to better humanity in this thing versus the people that were like, I would like to go ahead and have a colony uh, on the moon and then probably several other satellite colonies in various other planets. If we get a hold of the people at CERN, maybe we can crack open the portal, step into a different dimension. I would like colonies there too, basically. And so um it remains to be seen <laughs> where this is actually going although in an article i was reading out of i think slate they frame it like uh like the people who got pushed out of open ai as altman was being brought back in uh they're saying uh well we're going to watch we're living in the prequel to terminator right now is what they're saying
1: great Well, the last time I heard a bunch of tech nerds talking about effective altruism, it was Sam Bankman-Fried, and we saw how that played out. That's not good. So I don't know if those guys are necessarily going to save humanity, because I don't know if they're telling us the truth about what's really going on. But I definitely know that if you're working for Microsoft, you're, you're already sort of dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. And this is going to be a problem either way. Is there, is that we were talking, Lindsay and I were talking about the genie being out of the bottle with regard to this. Is this, is is that really the case? Is this something that, that we can uh, reel back in or are we just going to have to deal with this?
3: As soon as they started doing the large language model experiments and and the algorithmic, you know, expanded search modification or search engine capabilities that, that the current AI is, that's something that people I, I think don't understand. But the way that like chat GPT and stuff like that operates now is like Google on steroids. It's the best search engine you could possibly ask for. But what it can't do is is think until a couple of weeks ago when altman and a a number of the devs were apparently there to witness the ai do a a rudimentary math problem but the difference is there's only one right answer to the math problem there are myriad ways that you can answer a search query and there's not it doesn't necessarily have to be a right answer so it does show a huge advancement in the ai's capabilities and at that point yeah you you've gotta you've either gotta stop all exploration into ai until you figure out how you can become smarter than the smartest thing ever invented or it's it's out of the bottle and now you're just in react mode
1: wow um changing topics a little bit, but not too much. DARPA gets hacked. DARPA and General Electric get hacked. Um, You you know, listen, I mean, there's part of me that says, where should we send the uh, thank you cards? Right. But, 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 uh, but also, you know, if you've got hackers that are going to be targeting DARPA first, and then maybe, you know, your local bank account next. You know, who Who knows? So what was the outcome of this? What happened when the Defense Advanced Research Project Administration uh, gets hacked? And what does a hack like that look like? And what does it mean to the rest of us? Well, I mean, what it, what
3: it means more than anything else is that uh, there really truly is no such thing as privacy. There's just operational security. And the DAR- the DARPA hack happened because of that. GE is a defense contractor. GE's been contracting with DARPA for a very long time, and the exploit was discovered in GE's systems. That was then sat on and mined for data for at least according to to their statements for a period of years, where proprietary information, uh, uh, that was owned by GE that discusses, uh, you know, security protocols and shit, not just for DARPA, but for all of the other agencies that GE contracts with, ha- has now been mine. They're pointing their fingers, uh, at the Chinese. Um, we have been in a i guess like a a backstage cyber war with the chinese for a very 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 long time the u.s government and the chinese government put a lot of money into their cyber attack and defense systems um information is currency we all know that so the the ability to have you know uninvited access into a, a significant portion of DARPA systems, at least the ones that GE was responsible for controlling, um, has very real consequences in terms of how these proxy wars are going to play out, and then also very real consequences in terms of uh, surveillance, both in domestically here and then abroad. Um, the trust factor that individuals of other nations try to enjoy when we travel is effectively gone all over the planet right now uh at both the intrapersonal and then the individual in a different government situation and as an American you have no protections whatsoever when you're traveling anymore least of all from your own government it's it's out of hand
1: yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's the wild west these days. Everything has changed. The, uh, the 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 invention of all this technology is a double-edged sword. I think everybody agrees with that. There's some tremendous benefits that we experience because of this. There's also, you know, it opens us up to the to possibilities of of like you said we've lost our privacy. Privacy is you know, a thing of the past. and uh, and of course, the, these lunatics would like us to live in a world where there is no privacy. So I don't know that this is an accidental in any way. I think that this is more like part of the just one step in the plan towards eventual enslavement, where you can get everybody to, you know, to you know that the most devious form of censorship, Steve, is self-censorship, right? When you know you're being watched, you behave differently. So I worry about that is that is that maybe one of the things that comes out of this whole this whole um you know digital technocracy that we're finding ourselves in I felt sound like Patrick Wood uh, th- that we're 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 sliding into this technocratic hellscape where there is no privacy and where everything that you do is out in the open and it's essentially on the blockchain and everybody can it can be retrieved at a moment's notice is this is this the type of world that you thought we'd be living in by the time we got to this age
3: it's the type of world that we, we stay in if we allow ourselves to. I mean, anybody who grew up reading science fiction and stuff like that was kind of given a little picture, especially as the films, the sci-fi and dystopia films of the 80s and 90s rolled on. So we all kind of, you know, were given an idea that it could go this way. But here's the thing. You you have to believe that people like bill gates this you know shriveled potitted weak goblin looking creature and, and people like bankman fried are are the superior humans just because there's a machine that can see you if you connect to it or or if you step within its its, its perimeter but humans are wildly innovative and we don't like being told what to do all the time, at least. And we don't like knowing that there are some weird little dorks out there watching our every move. So if we wake up And we say, I would like to opt out of this technocratic hellscape. We definitely have the ability to do so. We have the power to do so. We've got a ton of history behind us where people have come up with different ways to implement counter-economics or parallel systems, parallel structures. We've got all of the tools that we need to get out of it. We just need to remember that it's not a foregone conclusion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I um I saw today, Steve, I don't know if you had a chance to to catch this, but uh, new Argentine president, Javier Milley, flew into Washington, D.C. and had lunch with Bill Clinton yesterday. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you think they were talking about? And keep in mind that this is a family show.
3: Well, Javier Milley is what you get if Frodo doesn't throw the ring into the fires of Mount Doom. To take a good long look at him and then just see Frodo putting the ring on and going, it's mine. I'm keeping it And that forever should give you a pretty good idea of what you're dealing with. But what did they talk about? I mean, he he he's a World Economic Forum guy. Mealy is he's part of the machine. He talks a fantastic libertarian game. He's got all of the talking points down. But he is effectively in his mind. According to him, in his own words, uh, he's effectively a citizen of Israel. He's a product of this uh, very, very centralized, very, very much part of the big club Austrian school of economic thinking that doesn't lead you to economic freedom. And I can only imagine that uh, at a, a a lunch with Bill Clinton, um, you talk about the potential of being able to turn Haiti into your next third world casino.
1: Oh, yes. Well, the Clintons definitely know their way around Haiti. They honeymoon there i think that should have been the first indication that the clintons were up to no good when you choose to go on your honeymoon to haiti no offense to the people of haiti i'm sure they're fine people but you know the other side of hispaniola is the dominican republic and it's got beautiful resorts you could have gone there but you didn't uh you chose to you chose to go to port-au-prince for your for your uh for your honeymoon and then the Clinton Foundation was in charge of the Haiti relief. I don't know. I'm getting distracted. I'm getting off topic here, but you know how these people are. This is this is uh, this this only leads us to one place, and that is you and me, eventually being labeled as domestic terrorists. And we see this push lately. I've been seeing it all over the news. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of domestic terrorism going on. Don't you know, Steve? It's just it's just overflowing. That's what they tell us. But it appears that there is some supply demand imbalance between the amount of domestic terrorism that they want you to believe that there is and where there actually is. So they're supplementing it with artificial domestic terror. That seems like uh, the next step is some sort of false flag. I don't know. I'm not trying to project this onto the universe or anything like this, but it feels like it's coming.
3: Well, no, you're not. And you're not projecting uh, future events. You're talking about things that have happened very recently. For example, a car goes and and leaves the Kiss concert and gets a little out of control. And the next thing you know, all of right wing media is reporting that Hamas has attacked the border. You know, so, no, it's this is this is stuff that is going on. You know, and, and I mean, we've discussed for years now because we look at reports from the Department of Homeland Security. We listen to the people in these positions who say we're going to have a domestic terror attack. It's imminent. And everyone who doesn't look like we do or think like we do is a domestic terrorist. So when you've labeled 85 to 90 percent of the country potential terrorists, you tell people every day that it's going to happen. You put people in positions where they're now faced with loss of job or, uh, you know, livelihood, food, housing, all that stuff like they've done throughout the, the lockdowns over the last few years. And then all of the economic squeeze thereafter, you're you're priming the pump for the exact thing that you're telling people you you don't want to happen, but this is the United States government. So they're feeding us just enough of the script so that we act in uh, the the uh, appropriate manner. And when the election comes around and it doesn't come out the way that half the country or two thirds of the country wants it to go out, I do believe that the the sort of reaction that the establishment is looking for is one that they will then be able to to stomp down rather violently
1: it's just another problem reaction solution scenario right create the problem uh demand the reaction and then offer the solution that you wanted to install all along but didn't have the justification to do that uh steve where's the best place for people to find you and support what you're doing AMWakeupshow.com.
3: Everything else flows from there. We're live streaming. Uh we are Monday through Thursday, 7 to 10 a.m. Pacific. On Friday, the new prisoners podcast takes over the channel. Uh I pop in from time to time. They Wake Up With Me pops in from time to time. It's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, am wakeupshow.com for absolutely everything. Uh, and Charlie, I can't thank you enough. Uh, congratulations, my friend, five days a week uh, on the amazing TNT radio here. These guys are are incredible,
1: and I'm happy you're here. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you and everything that you do. You guys can catch Steve over at AM Wake Up. It's like watching news from the future. You'll be well-informed, and you don't have to watch uh, Kathy Lee and Hoda drink wine at 11 o'clock in the morning. Instead, you can watch Steve. That's it for me. I'll be back tomorrow. Don't burn the place down while I'm gone. This is TNT Radio.